0: So I really don't know how to, uh, how to begin this. Josh, last week, uh, gave, we have three weeks to look at Jerusalem. And Josh, last week, uh, gave us really the 50,000-foot the spiritual uh, overview of Jerusalem. Today, I want to kind of take us to um, some things that would be really good to think about as you enter Jerusalem. Because as, as a common tourist... As you enter Jerusalem, if you don't know the background of a lot of things, you won't just stand in awe of the whole thing. And so I knew a lot before I went, but I know a lot more now about Jerusalem and how it applied and just the thing. Um, so I guess I, if I had to uh, describe today, it's going it would be, be called layers. There's just so many layers to the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Next week then we're going to look uh, We're going to follow Jesus And follow how he Approached Jerusalem and what he did Because I think if you understand What we're talking about this week That will mean a lot more to you in the future And then uh, we go on down to Masada and then we're going to do Nablus and Hebron uh, Which I've never been to Either one of those cities but we're going to talk about The spiritual importance of that And that will be this class Um, So let me I'm, I'm going to try to intermingle I'm not good at intermingling pictures and then going to Scripture in that, but I'm going to try it today because it would be better for you. Uh, I, this is one of my pictures that I took of the, um, uh, in the Church of the Holy Sepulcher of the, uh, two, uh, the, the uh, rock that Jesus was supposedly uh, laid on uh, before, uh, in, in his burial and my thought was how silly those people must feel now that they've actually dug the real rock up it's 15 feet below that so um, that they've been doing that for thousands of years kissing that rock and that has nothing to do with the actual rock so um, so Jerusalem we're we're gonna Jerusalem is right down here Um, I won't be able to get it exactly but Jerusalem is six miles from the Dead Sea and You can't really get there from here because uh, it's all mountains up from the Dead Sea. Up from the Dead Sea, it goes really fast into mountains, and it's really a hard terrain. So most people that come... Well, let's just do it like this. So Abraham came from Ur, way up here, and he came down, and he moved and lived in a place right about here called Shechem. Somewhere in here Shechem is. Oh, Shechem is right there. Shechem is right next to Mount Gerizim, which... Uh, the Samaritans actually had a replica temple in Mount Gerizim. When Jesus come, uh, meets the woman at the well, uh, she says uh, so I know when the tarhar comes, the revealer, when he comes we will meet and assemble on this mountain. And Jesus says what? He says, I'm telling you there's coming a time when you're not you Jews are supposed to go to Jerusalem, we're supposed to come here. I'm telling you there's coming a time when you'll go to neither place. Because God wants to be worshipped in spirit and truth. That's in essence the, the woman at the well uh, story. So, um, so Abraham stayed in Shechem. And Abraham and Lot did not get along. And what happened? Abraham gave Lot the choice of where he would stay. So what did Lot choose? The land. Which is? The, along the Jordan. Lot picked all the land along the Jordan and he gave Abraham all the land going there to the sea, okay? Which is still the Jezreel Valley, it's really not that bad, okay? That's the most fertile land in all the world. But it doesn't have readily water like the Jordan River. So Lot goes down here and what happens to Lot? Sodom and Gomorrah, but he gets captured. Remember when Lot got captured? He got captured by the five kings who were Edomites, Moabites, Amorites, Hittites, Jebusites. He got captured by a bunch of those guys. Okay, And Abraham goes down and he fights them because they've captured his kinfolk. He fights them and he chases them as far as Dan and then over to Damascus. It says he chased them north of Damascus and killed all of them. Then when Abraham came back, he came back into an area that is called the Valley of the Kings. I think it's probably the Kidron Valley. This is, this is what I want to show you about Jerusalem. So let's let's take a look at some let's take a look at some uh, uh, some things. Um, let's go first to Genesis 14. I actually brought My Old Testament. Genesis is having a hard time. Genesis 14. If I weren't teaching, that, this would already be at the bookbinder. Okay, look at verse 17 of chapter 14. Then after his return of the defeat of Cherloman... I can't even say that. Cherloman, one of the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom... He went out to meet him in the valley of Shiva, That is the king's valley. Now we have no idea where the valley of Sheba is. Unless you go to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 18. Verse 18. Let's take a look at this. This will mean something to you in a minute. As I go through these pictures. This is Absalom. And Absalom has no children. And Absalom has just been killed uh, by Joab. David has sent Joab to kill Absalom because Absalom's trying to usurp the throne. Look at verse 17. And they took uh, Absalom and they cast him into a deep pit in the forest and they erected over him a very great heap of stones. And all of Israel fell and each man went to his own tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up for himself a pillar. A pillar. A pillar. That's called a Maseboat. And massaboats are all over Israel. It's, a, it's like when, jo, when, Joshua crossed the, when Joshua crossed the Jordan River, he set up a massaboat. And he said, not an altar. This is just a rock. And they turn these rocks up on their end, and it just marks. This is what happened here. Somebody will come by a massaboat and go, what happened here? Well, the children of Israel crossed the Jordan right here. And that's, that's so we can remember that. So Absalom... Took and he set up a Massaboat, which is in the king's valley, for he said, "I have no son to reserve my name." So he named the pillar after his own name. It's Absalom's Massaboat. It's called Absalom's monument to this day. Okay, just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. So let's go back to Genesis. Uh, go back to Genesis fourteen for a second. Um. Look at verse 18. So he gets to the king's valley, which I say is the Kidron Valley. The Kidron Valley being just right beside the temple. And he says, And, the, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God most high. You get that? He was not a priest of God Yahweh. He was a, king, a priest of God El Elyon. El Elyon means God most high. Um, It's the universal name of God. Was Melchizedek a Jew? Was Abraham a Jew? If you back up to 18, it's the first time they call Abraham a Hebrew. Uh, uh, So Melchizedek, he's already a high priest of something, but he's worshiping El Elyon, not Yahweh. Yahweh is Israel's God. Now I'm I'm just starting to you know I I, I crack myself up um, uh, a lot <laughs> yeah, I amuse myself uh, but one of the one of the two things I'm really interested in two things I, that I kind of have as hobbies and one of them is etymology which is word study and the other is entomology which is uh, insects I just love it I love it anyway. Um, but etymo- the etymology of, of El Elyon as, a, as opposed to Yahweh, I'm just beginning that study. But I will tell you, it's replete all through the New Testament. If you, go to, if you look at Jethro, Jethro was not a priest of Israel. His God was El Elyon. If you look at Balaam's donkey, when Balaam's donkey does the prophecy about Jesus, he uses the word El Elyon. If you go to Luke, and Luke... Uh, um, and suddenly there was with the angel the multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God on high, Luke is written to what? What group of people? Gentiles, Gentiles. not Jews. If it had been to Jews, Matthew would have said Yahweh. So it's not a different God. It's a different name of God. It's a different aspect of God. Uh, Josh referred to it this morning um, in, his, in his sermon. Um, Let's. Um, so Melchizedek, whose name means Melchizedekai, whose name means King of Righteousness, was also the King of Shalom. And I punched Dell when when uh, Josh was doing the Shalom thing this morning. Uh, you punch the word you want. I did. I actually punched. <laughs> did I punch you? I punched him. <laughs> <laughs> and I said I've been. I said, I've been trying to think all night long how I'm going to describe shalom because shalom doesn't just mean peace. Shalom means wholeness. It means everything. Everybody wants to live in shalom. It's not just peace. It's goodness and health and mercy. It's all that. And so he was the king of shalom, but his name says he's the king of Zedekiah righteousness. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know much, but I know that when you read Paul, this is Paul's big deal righteousness. Diakonos is the Greek form of that, and Paul uses that phrase, Diakonos uh, uh, theou, all the time. Uh, the righteousness of God, and it's big in Paul. And so here back in the time of Abraham, that layer, we have Melchizedek. I wanted to, uh, and what does he, Melchizedek bring him? What does he bring Abraham? Bread and wine. And And what is that symbolic of? The Eucharist. It's another layer. Look at Hebrews 7. Hebrews does more with Melchizedek uh, than anybody. Um, And I don't want this all to be about Melchizedek because Melchizedek is just one one form of it. Um, But Melchizedek is the king of Salem, chapter 7. Melchizedek was, in in Hebrews, did I say that? Melchizedek was the king of Salem, a priest of God, Most High, El Elyon. He met Abraham after returning to the kings and he blessed him. And Abraham thought he was so important that he gave him a tenth of everything that he had had taken. And let me tell you, why did Abraham know to give a tenth? Anybody? Because the Ten Commandments. No, the Ten Commandments weren't given. This is before that. This is just how they acted. That's amazing. He knew that it wasn't just him. It was God. Um, look at verse 3. Without father or mother, without beginning of days or end of life, that is ha, uh, or that's a, ah, genealogia. He had no genealogy. None. He's really an interesting character. Uh, you can go all over the internet and you can read... Theories that this is actually Shem, who is now six hundred years old, is my I, I don't, I don't have a clue. I just know that it's an enigmatic figure that God is trying to teach us about holiness, and He is in charge of the city of Jerusalem. Uh, when I was in, um, can't even think of his name. Class, um, who? No the uh, the class on jo- uh, Joshua judges George Parks, George Parks thank you uh, look at uh, uh, hey you're, you're, you you th- you're thinking right with me look at Joshua look at Joshua 10:3 and i have no idea if this is the truth or not i'm just telling you what i read look at Joshua 10:3 uh therefore Adonis Zedek... Do you see any familiarity with Melchizedek? Adonizedek of Jerusalem sent word uh, to Hoam the king of Hebron and to Piram the king of Jarmuth. My point is, is uh, Jerusalem has been a holy, holy city for a long, long time. Uh, Adon- Adonizedek, Adonai means Lord, and it's close enough for me. Lord of righteousness is possibly the way that's, that's translated. But I'm just saying it's all in your Bible how, 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 uh, how holy the place of Jerusalem would be. So when now let's fast forward to Moses. So Moses brings the children of Israel out of Egypt and Joshua takes over on the other side of Jordan, somewhere around here, and they cross the Jordan. Remember the waters of the Jordan are fed by what? The snow melt on Hebron primarily, so it's freezing, and it drops 2,000 feet from here to here in elevation. And remember, this is 1,600 feet below sea level right here. So it moves, And jo- and God told Joshua to take the Ark of the Covenant and walk through the River Jordan, and they got there, and the guy's carrying the... Carrying the ark on the golden poles, the forty-foot-long poles, and the ark's in the middle, and they're being real holy, and they're going down to the edge of the water, and it's real steep, and they go. D- do we go through here? And Joshua goes, "Yes, you go through here." But we all remember Uzzah. Mm-hmm. Remember what happened to Uzzah? So if you tip, if you tip the rock, if you tip the ark down, what happens? Starts going on the pole. It's going to touch me. I'm going to die. So you got to hold it level, <laughs> and you got to step in the water, and it's cold, and you step in the water, and what happens? Anybody? Parted. Waters parted. It's one of the three times God parted the waters. Red Sea, Elijah, actually four times God parted the Red Sea, Elijah, and Elisha parted it twice with Elijah's mantle, right? Okay, good. Now we've all learned something that, good. Um, good. <laughs> So he crosses over Jordan. What's the first thing they come to? They come to the big city of Jericho. We all know how he destroyed Jericho. And then he goes up to Ai, And what happens at Ai? Remember the sin of Achan? The sin of Achan, the children of Israel lost Ai in that battle because of the sin of Achan. But just notice how close we are to Jerusalem. We're on our way to Jerusalem. They actually go and they park the ark somewhere right up here, about Shiloh. This is where it stayed for 369 years. We talked about two weeks ago. All right. Um, All right. You can tell I'm a little disjointed last night. I played cards until all hours. Anyway. um, um, Okay. So let's let's look at a few pictures of Jerusalem. (laughs) I did really well. Hey, it was all hours of the night. I lost concentration about 8 o'clock or I would have won that thing. All right, anyway. No, it wasn't anything about that. It was a a family deal. (laughs) Okay, just look. This chart right here is who has controlled Jerusalem since 2000 B.C. Notice the Canaanites, the Egyptians... The Jebusites, who did David capture uh, uh, Zion from? The Jebusites. Then Jude, Israel came in and took it about a thousand BC. Then the Assyrians came and took them. The Babylonians came and took them. The Persians came and took them. The Macedonians. Then Judah came back when uh, they came back to build the wall. This is Second Temple. The Romans came. Herod the Great then built Second Temple. The Byzantines, Persian, Byzantine, I don't even know what all those guys are. And you come back to the Crusades, somewhere around the 1100s. Uh, then it was taken again by the, by the Arabs and then the, the Crusades again. Um, and you get on down to the Ottoman Empire. This is Suleiman the Magnificent. May Muhammad re- uh, bless his beard. Um, <laughs> and, and Suleiman actually did more of what we see in Jerusalem than anything. Uh, the British here, Israel and Jordan and today they say Israel but it's divided into four corners. All those people took Jerusalem because they thought it was a holy holy city. It's only is the fourth holiest place in in uh Islam Josh. Uh it's it's third you ask Sunni or Shia but it's it's 80 top 5 you, know, you have like the coaches is calling me you can't just Sunni or Shia but let's just say Okay, good. Top five. So anyway. All these people, uh, I mean, today, the three great monotheistic religions in all the world, it's the holiest place. Well, except for the Muslims in the top five. But uh, Jews and Christians, it's right there. And, And why is that? Why is that? It's because it's a holy place. When Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac, we Christians call it the sacrifice of Isaac. The Jews are quick to point out the sacrifice didn't happen. They call it the Akita, which is the binding of Isaac. And what that literally means is Isaac was probably in his 20s when he goes on, they go on this journey. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've had 20-year-olds, and I can't, I'm not going to be able to tell a 20-year-old to lay on the ground. And a 20-year-old is probably not going to lay on the ground of his own volition without saying that if you're really going to do this you're going to have to tie me up okay so but that's why it's the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob it only says it one time that it's the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob it says the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob because all of those sons accepted they had faith they had their own faith and so the Akita implies that Isaac willingly did the sacrifice. Um, This is Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, looking from the Mount of Olives today. Um, This is, anytime you see the graves, you look at the eastern side of Jerusalem. This is the eastern wall and I'll I'll go over that in just a minute. We're going to look at Ezekiel in just a minute and see why that happened. But you can see the graves. This is probably some of the most expensive uh, grave plots in all the world. I've asked repeatedly, how can I get buried there? And they just won't even talk to me. Uh, this is Absalom's tomb. Now, the guides are quick to tell you this was built in the 1200s. <laughs> <coughs> but who's not to say that underneath that is a Masoboet that Absalom put up himself? I don't know. This is Zechariah's tomb, and we don't know if that's real either. but they certainly believe it is. Uh, just look at the graves. This is Hebrew University up on top of the mountain. This is the Mount of Olives is over here. Um, this is the Church of the Annunciation. This is the Mount of Olives up here. Uh, this <laughs> is the only remnant of and, and I don't I don't want to actually say that is where Gethsemane is, but it's the only thing we have that looks anywhere near like Gethsemane. But Gethsemane was probably in that place. Geshimon Gethsemane literally means <laughs> Uh, olive press, and there is an old olive press there, but it doesn't really date back to the first century, so we don't know if that's true or not. But it would be like that, and that's what you see when you get when you're in Israel. We don't know if that's actually the the place, but it's cl- close enough. So this would be the Temple Mount. This would be the Mount of Olives. This is the Kidron Valley. Okay, the Brook Kidron, or somewhere you see it's the River Gishon is the reason Jerusalem even exists because there was a perpetual uh, running water stream and it's one of those, uh, I mean, back to uh, what I talked about a couple of weeks, uh, when I talked about kosher, Jews have a violent reaction to life and death. They choose life, which is so, uh, I can't, I don't want to go there. It, it, it's, it's hard for me to understand how they support abortion in any way but it, that's, they have a, it's, I think it's because uh, the secularism of Judaism so um, but Jews have a violent reaction and so if you find a stream of water, a purge literally in the Greek, a boiling up of water boiling up, not, a, not dead water, living water is purge, dead water is cistern water Okay, it's collected. It's some. That's why when they dug wells, a well is what you dig deep enough, and the water table comes in. It purgates, It bubbles up. It's living water. They take living water. They don't like dead water. As a matter of fact, they have a violent reaction to dead water. So this is why Jerusalem even exists is because of because of that. Uh, that's why some some very fundamentalist uh, Baptist congregations, uh, if you baptize. Uh, they will turn the faucet on and uh, pull the plug. Pergay. Okay. Dead Sea, cistern, collected. It has no outlet. It's not pergay. Uh, what time is it? <laughs> I have a really good story about that. Anyway, um, <coughs> so Mount of Olives, Bethpage, Bethany, these are all separated by one mile. One mile, this is an old picture of Mount of Olives to just show you it hasn't really changed. These are olive trees. You know, remember the Church of the Annunciation where I showed you the olive trees over the side of Gethsemane? This is the actual being in the olive grove. And you can see old, uh, these olive trees are ancient. They're nowhere near 2,000 years old. But olive trees don't really ever die. What happens to an olive tree is it gets big like this and it, it'll break off. And then in a, next year, guess what happens? A new green shoot will come from those roots and it'll shoot up and it'll grow another olive tree. Remember the shoot of Jesse? The stump and the shoot of Jesse? That's what it's talking about. Olive trees don't really ever die. This is the Garden of Gethsemane as it would be seen today. Okay, here's the Temple Mount as it is today. It's an aerial view. What I want you to see over here, you see all the graves. So what side is that? East. Okay, this is the western side. This is the Wailing Wall. This is the Western Wailing Wall. This would be the Southern Step Portico. You see the Southern Steps. The Southern Steps are actual first century. I'll show you some pictures of that Jesus probably walked right up those steps. Over here is where most of the excavation. If you if you do this, I'll show you a map in just a minute. This is all controlled by Muslims. This is all controlled by Muslims. This is the, it, part of the Israel quarter and uh, this, this is the Jewish quarter down here. Um, and I, I'll take you to some excavations over here in just a second. So looking once again for the Mount of Olives, I don't know why I put that picture in there. This is the southern side and what I, what I wanted you to see here is I want you to see the differences in the strata of the wall, Okay, because the lower portion were done by Herod the Great. And I'm, am I blocking stones? I'm, okay, I'm a um, I'm, I'm pretty big block, uh, you got to admit. Um, but the, the different strata, you can tell which stones are Herodian. Now let's think about this just a second. The Herodian stones, that's still second temple. We have absolutely, I don't want to say that, we have very little archeological evidence that the first temple ever existed. Why? No, the the Babylonians, the Assyrians, 587 B.C. The the Assyrians completely destroyed that one, completely destroyed it. And when it came back, Herod the Great built the second temple, and Herod the Great expanded the Temple Mount from three acres to 13 acres. So what did he do? Did he dig? No, he brought stuff in, he just filled it out. And so today, the, the existing compound is 13 acres. The same as Herod the Great. They built these walls. Look, look at what the, what the Muslims did. These are Herodian stones, but they've probably been toppled and then just restacked up because they're not stacked neatly. Why do you see some walls i show you that Herod did? Uh, and then as they got higher, this is Suleiman, the magnificent. May Mohammed uh, bless his beard. Um, that, this is Suleiman, the 16th century. He's the one that actually completed the walls that we see today. Let's keep going. This is uh, this is uh, I guess the the uh, I, I, this is the southern corner. Oh yeah, this is the parapet of the temple. This is the highest place, the highest temple wall. It goes down the Kidron Valley, and that's probably where they threw James off of that corner uh, of the temple to kill him. Uh, these stones at the bottom are actual first century stones. But when it was destroyed, you can see this level. All those stones fell down. And that was all underground. So they've excavated this and that's how we get to the actual, actual deal. Once again, this is the, the Wailing Wall. This is where the men can go. This little booth right here is where the women get to go. Um, I'm just kidding. It really is. But <laughs> um, it, um, I have pictures of us at the Wailing Wall, but I thought that would be not good. Anyway, I use random people. Um, this is my fa- one of my favorite things at the temple. This stone right here, and you can see they repaired the stone. It had broken off, and they cemented it back together. But this is on that southern corner, the highest place. And here's the inscription. It's in Hebrew. You may read that. I guarantee I can't see a word. Anyway, it says, "Trumpeters stand here." That's awesome. You got to admit. Um, this is Bethany. A scene of Bethany. This is. The the uh, city of Bethany. Does anybody know what happened at Bethany? What, why is that? Why it's a big deal? Lazarus. Lazarus. You know what the na- modern name of this town is? Azreas. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> Bethany, the sheep um, grazing down here. You see the sheep down here. He leads me beside still waters, green pastures. Mm-hmm. Green pastures and all the sheep. This is interesting, um, this is interesting right here because this is at Hebrew University. This is a full scale model of the first century um, town of Jerusalem. And I didn't think this was that important until um, I was looking for pictures of the temple. You cannot find good pictures of the temple, I don't know why. <laughs> but the model is really good, it's really um, it's really uh, beautifully done. Um, And it's outside. It's a model that's probably as big as the auditorium. Uh, Somewhere in the, it's that big. I'll show you an overview in a minute. But this is the court of the Gentiles. You see the fence and the big hulking guards from the tribe of Benjamin would be the guards there. And if you stepped across, it'd be like the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, where if you have a little kid and he's running, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, go, go up and touch it, the guards will say, Halt! What did they do? I'm telling you (laughs) and they they draw their M16s and you know you better halt I'm telling you the tribe of Benjamin they would have whacked your head off Uh, only the here's where the Jewish men can go Jewish men can go here only the priests get in here and then only the high priest once a year uh, at Yom Kippur can go into the Holy of Holies Um, you can see this is the model Um, interesting this is a stoa. Which is a porch, a portico, that was built uh, on on the south side of the uh, of the temple. This that wouldn't be the south side. This is this face east. The temple faced east, and I'm going to show the show that in just a second. This is uh, and the Antonia Fortress. This was Herod's palace fortress that he built. Notice it's taller than the temple, just to show you who's in charge. And that's where they carried Jesus. Part of the trial—that's where Pilate would have been part of the trial—in the Antonio Fortress. Um, that's just another picture of the model. Okay, so here's the Temple, uh, the Temple Mount. This is the Kidron Valley, going up to the Garden of Gethsemane, Bethpage and Bethany. I just wanted you to see how this all works. in The, the Gishon Spring right here. Here's Hezekiah's Tunnel. Uh, does anybody know the significance of Hezekiah's Tunnel? It's how they got they, they expand they had already built the wall and they expanded this wall to come down here so that they could get water into perpetual water into the city. Hezekiah's tunnel and they, they could be in siege under siege it wouldn't hurt anything. Let's look at Ezekiel for just a second. Wow, it is hot in here. Look at my glasses. Ezekiel. Uh, go to Ezekiel uh, ten. I, I just want to show you something and it's about what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, Ezekiel 10. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet about 600 uh, B.C., and he was taken away to uh, Assyria. He was on the banks of the river in Assyria, and he received a vision. He received a vision, um, he received a vision um, telling why... God had done what he did to Israel. Uh, Look at verse 10. Uh, I mean, chapter 10, I'm sorry. Verse 3. Now the cherubim, he has this vision about the cherubim. What's the cherubim? That's above the Ark of the Covenant. And what is said to be above the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies? The actual presence of God. Okay, watch this. Now the cherubim were standing on the right side of the temple when the man entered and the cloud field, the inner court. And the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah glory of God, went up from the cherub to the threshold of the temple. And the temple was filled with the cloud, and the court was filled with the brightness, the Shekinah glory of God, the Lord. Um, let's see, go over to verse 18. And the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold in the temple and stood over the cherubim. And they stood still at the entrance of the east gate and the Lord's house and the glory of God hovered over them. Look at 11. Moreover, the Spirit lifted me up and he brought me to the east gate of the Lord's house which faced eastward. Okay? Thus you will know, verse 12. Thus you will know I am the Lord for you have not walked in my statutes nor have you executed my ordinances but you have acted according to the ordinances of the nations around you. Look at verse 17. Thus says the Lord God. He's having this vision and God's telling him What's happened? They've distro- completely destroyed my temple. And God's saying, it doesn't matter, Ezekiel, because I wasn't there anyway. Keep going. This is what I shall gather you for the people and assemble you out of the countries which you've been scattered. And I will give you a land of Israel. And, and they're, they're in Babylon. I shall give them one heart and a new spirit within them. That's Jeremiah 31. And I, I shall give them take a heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and my ordinance and do them and they will be my people, and I will be their God. Look at 22. Then the cherubim lifted up their wings and the wheels beside them, and the glory of the Lord of Israel hovered over them. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood over the mountain, which is east of the city, and that mountain would be the Mount of Olives. So here's the point. God left. God left. Ezekiel 43. Ezekiel 43. So the first 22 chapters of the book of Ezekiel were in this one, in this one vision that, uh, that he had in Babylon. Then the rest of it is telling us what's going to happen. Look at 43. Then he led me to the gate. The gate was facing toward the east. And f- behold, the glory of the God of Israel was coming from the way of the east. And his voice was like a sound, of many waters. That's Revelation. And the earth shone in his glory. Verse 4 And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate facing toward the east. And the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. This is messianic. This is what's going to happen. There's going to come a day when the Spirit of God is going to come back. to Think about Second Temple Judaism. First temple, they had the Ark of the Covenant. Second temple, what is in the Holy of Holies? Anybody? Ain't nothing. They have nothing. The Ark's gone. It's all gone. All they got is the fact that maybe God, if we build this temple back, maybe God will come and bring His Spirit back into this. deal. Ezekiel 43 says it's going to happen. Uh, this This is current... The current deal in Jerusalem. what time is that? I don't want to go. Okay, I got I gotta I get it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so just let me do this real quick. So the um, this is the Temple Mount today, but this is just the city of Jerusalem, all the quarters. And all these gates are around it. Literally, there was twelve gates at one point in time. But this gate right here is the one I love. This is the gate called The golden gate, it's called the beautiful gate. And notice it says it's closed. Why is it closed? Because Suleiman the Magnificent, may Muhammad bless his beard, came in and said, I read in your prophecies where the Messiah is going to come back from the east and he's going to go, and I'm closing that daggum gate. Check it out. I'm closing it. He ain't coming through that gate. This is the southern steps. Southern steps. These are actual steps that Jesus would have walked up at one point in time. These are ossuary, where they just uncovered a cave and found the, these are the burial things. They let let a body lay on that cold um, piece for about a year and a half until it disintegrates. and they put all the bones unbroken into these little deals, and those are called ossuary, and then they can stack them one on top of the other. <clears throat> this is somebody asked me last week. What happened to the golden menorah? What happened to the Ark of the Cove? We don't know what happened. Well, I know what, I know what some of it happened. This is the um, of uh, the Ark of Triumph of uh, Titus. This was built by his older brother, uh, by his younger brother Domitian, in eighty-one A.D. This is in Rome today. You see the relief eighty-one A.D. You see that. What's that? Yeah. So where is the golden menorah? It's in the basement of the Vatican and they won't tell us. (laughs) I'm not superstitious. I just know what I see. Okay. Um, I just thought this was funny. This is a a Shabbat elevator. It's in the King David Hotel. Shabbat. There's three elevators. There's one elevator that you use during Shabbat. You know why? Because to push a button is work. So, it op- the door opens every 30 seconds. you dutifully get on and it stops at every floor and get off, and it, you don't have to touch a button. This is one of my favorite pictures of Israel. This is on a top of a mountain. This is an Israeli IDF platoon. Notice what they're carrying? These are M16s. 18-year-old girls with their M16s, and that's all I got today. Thanks a bunch.) <sighs> <clears throat> you got to have fun or you'll go to sleep at 11.30 at night. I remember that. This is real. Female military. Oh, I know. <coughs> well, makes you want to go. It's good. makes you want to go back. <laughs> that is a lot of stuff. So what do you think about the, the rumors?